Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. To us. Fires. Touchdown, Miami. Waddle. Snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, it's one of my favorite times of the year, a time where... There's nothing to really cover specifically, and we can focus on our own football knowledge and education, and we'll do exactly that. We kick off the 2022 training camp preview, looking at the quarterback position. So we'll talk Tua, we'll talk Teddy, Skylar Thompson, Coach Daryl Bevel, and everything there is to know about the quarterback spot in Miami. We'll also preview the 2022 NFC West division as we kick off our 22 season preview here on the drive time podcast from somewhere in South Florida. This is the drive time podcast. So it is part one of our 10 part training camp preview series, getting you ready for the end of July and the return of dolphins football. And once we get there, it's full steam ahead right into the opener against the Patriots. So why don't we go ahead and just kick this thing off, off the top here with the quarterback position, and it starts with the coaching staff. Actually, before the coaching staff, why don't we go ahead and visit the departures and arrivals for the job here in Miami. So Teddy Bridgewater has arrived via the Denver Broncos. Jacoby Brissett departs for the Cleveland Browns. Skylar Thompson arrives via the draft from Kansas State. And Jake Luton goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, last year's practice squad quarterback at the end of the season. And on this coaching staff, quarterbacks coach Daryl Bevel enters his first year in that position as the QB's coach and passing game coordinator for your Miami Dolphins. He's been an offensive coordinator the last 16 years, and he brings 25 years of coaching experience, 21 of that in the National Football League. And he's been attached to some of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game between Brett Favre, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. He's been around some of the greats, and he's also helped produce six top 10 offenses during his career as an OC. He's also had integral development, unique players like Percy Harvin, Jermaine Wiggins, Chester Taylor, Kenny Galladay, and countless, countless others. And you can really go down the list of those quarterbacks, whether it was Aaron Rodgers talking about the early impact he had in his career or Russell Wilson, who gave tons of credit for his development under Daryl Bevel as the OC there in Seattle. Or you can even go back to what 
Doug Baldwin, former Seahawks receiver, said about his ability to create space, to create chances, to understand the skill sets of his players and to maximize those skill sets and do their best to sort of put the weaknesses in the rear view and minimize those types of things and really focus on what players do well. So Coach Daryl Bevel here with all the experience, all the accolades in the quarterback room, you have to think that bodes pretty well for this Dolphins quarterback's room, which... At a glance, you have three really different types of players here at different stages of their careers. And talking, of course, about third-year starter Tua Tungavailoa. And Bevel said of Tua, there's not a throw he can't make. I love the person. I love his personality. I just really like him as a guy. End quote there with Daryl Bevel talking about Tua. And we'll get to the superlatives and the stats on Tua here in just a second. The things that we've seen him accomplish so far through two years as a pro, but I want to go back to something coach Mike McDaniel said about his quarterback recently after an OTA practice about a question that was geared towards red zone passing and tighter windows. And that's kind of where the conversation evolved into some of the strengths of Tua's game. One of those fit in the ball in tight windows, which we'll circle back on here in just one second, but here's the Dolphins head coach on his quarterback. Like as far as his game, I think his skill set, um, it, it tighter areas only enhances his ability. You know, he's, he's an accurate quarterback that, um, that really knows how to place the ball where he wants it to be placed. And all, all the red zone is to me is the defense is defending, uh, less amount of the field. So you're compressed. Um, and we're still trying to move the ball forward and get in the end zone. So those windows become tighter. The decisions have to be quicker. Um, so the, the work we have done, I've been very pleased um, with it. But it, I see it, unless you are a, um, I, I would say the one outlier for red zone quarterback play is um, one of the extremes in mobility. You have a super ex- extreme ability to um, uh, extend the play and win with your feet. The, typically, those guys are ranked pretty high. Or you have decisive quarterbacks that, um, know where to go with the ball. Um, and, and both of those situations, you're just taking advantage of space and, um, you can either create it with your quarterback and buy time, or you can create that space with, um, timing and execution of concepts, um, which is something that Tua has been very good at, um, his whole career. So that's head coach Mike McDaniel. Let's go ahead and hear next from quarterbacks coach Daryl Bevel, who was asked about what areas of Tua's game he believes stands out most in this particular system and how he can excel. And then also the things in general that have stood out about Tua so far with coach Bevel meeting him for the first time and going through this offseason together. Here's coach Daryl Bevel. Uh, I think really a sense of timing and accuracy would be the first two things that, that I would say. And um, two has got really a great feel for both of those. Oh, I've learned a lot, you know, I've learned a lot. But um, really, really like the, the, you know, the person, um, the personality. Yeah, you know, the, the longer we're here, the more you kind of get to see the, the real guy. You know, the first when you first meet somebody, it's, you know, you're not quite sure what it is. So um, the more time we spend together, just really like like him as a guy, um, his, his preparation, how important it is to him, those kind of things. And then um, what I see on the field is a guy that, that really um, is a tireless worker at it. It's important to him. Um, got a good rapport with the guys. 
Again, we'll come back to those players in the cast portion of the quarterback room preview. But continuing here at the group at a glance, up next is Miami native Teddy Bridgewater, who comes back home from the Sunshine or to the Sunshine State, I should say, for the first time since his record-breaking high school career. I want to go ahead and play some audio here from Coach Mike McDaniel, who was asked about Bridgewater's role and why he was so vital to the Dolphins offseason this this year and talking about how at the scouting combine he kind of referenced some traits he was looking for in that backup quarterback role and then once Teddy had signed at the owners meetings talking about how well in a lot of ways I was describing the strengths of Teddy Bridgewater's game when I talked about what I look for in that backup quarterback position so here he is after the fact talking about Teddy Bridgewater. You guys remember around the combine um, I was describing you know what uh specifically what what I thought Tua really needed in support of with a backup quarterback. Un, unbeknownst to you guys, I was quite literally describing Teddy Bridgewater at the time, just not using his name. So um, bo- both players have been um, explicitly explained their roles and expectations um, and, and that and for that room to be their best, um, they need to know that and um, moving forward, we're very excited to have Teddy a part of the process and um, and hope to win some games with both those guys. Um, working together and empowering Tua to be the best player he can be. Um, and that's something that, that Teddy takes serious and is excited to do that. So you have the third-year player, the longtime veteran drafted also in the first round back in 2014 in Teddy Bridgewater, and then you have a rookie draft pick this year by way of the seventh round via Kansas State. And let's go ahead and go back to draft night when Coach McDaniel and Chris Greer were asked about Skylar Thompson and what stood out in his game. Yeah, I think uh, going through the process here, we've all kind of seen him over the years, you know, uh, there because it seemed like every year Kansas State pulls a big upset over someone and he has a game that people end up talking about. So he's a competitive kid, smart, tough, you know, he's got some athletic ability. So um, always appreciate how he played and then how their coaches and people around him talked about the, the character and the person. It was always intriguing. And then we got to the point here at the end where, you know, the, there's a guy that has some uh, potential to develop, you know, as a quarterback. and. Uh, has some upside, so um, we're excited. And the coaching staff and Mike, you know, I'll let him speak on them, but they, you know, followed suit with their work. So that is the group at a glance. Let's go ahead and move on to some of the numbers and statistics and things that stand out about each of these players, the Dolphins' three quarterbacks heading into training camp. And we start with number one, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. And, you know, I've talked about this for really three years now, going back to the draft preview series in 2020 about three critical elements of the quarterback position that I personally believe that Tua Tungavailoa stands out in, and the numbers, I think, back up this claim. Those are throwing the football with great accuracy and placement and timing, eluding the opposing pass rush, and winning football games. Per next-gen stats, only 13.8% of the QB pressures on Tungavailoa last year resulted in a sack, under 14%. That was good for sixth in the National Football League. His 24.1% pressures evaded rate, so you get a pressure, you get away from it, and don't take the sack, was second best in the NFL via pro football focus. The 4.8% sack rate that he took last year was fifth best among all NFL quarterbacks, and also speaking of fifth best, 
he was in that same category when it came to third down conversion rate. Only four quarterbacks were better than Tua's 45.4% conversion rate. He was 44 for 99 on third down a season ago. He's 13-8 and eight as a starter here in Miami. He also finished 7th in the NFL last year with a 67.8% completion rate while throwing into tight windows on 19.8% of his throws. That was 2nd most in the NFL. In fact, he was 2nd in 2020 as a rookie in that same category. So he is no stranger to making what we call NFL throws, right? NFL windows, a receiver or a defender rather within one yard of the receiver. That's a tight window. That's an NFL throw. Tua makes them with great regularity and still has that accuracy, talking about seventh in the NFL last year and completion percentage to fall back on. And this stat also backs that up. The uh, completion percentage over expected, a next gen stat that you have your years and years and years of data to tell you what type of pass, given the proximity of the receiver and the defensive back, the air yards, the weather, everything that goes into it is factored into it. And you have a completion percentage or a completion expectation or not expected. He is plus 2.9% over expected, which is six in the National Football League a season ago. And I think we get a chance to kind of observe those things that stand out about his game at practice when you just watch him navigate muddy pockets, when you watch him throw on time and on target, like even against air, the way the ball is kind of on the upfield shore, taking that receiver upfield to put them in position for ultimate yak. It's been a theme of the offseason. We talk about the Niners ability under Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan to get the most yak opportunities possible. You hope that's the case here with Tua, Mike McDaniel, Frank Smith, Uh, Daryl Bevel, John Embry, Wes Welker, Eric Studisville, the entire Dolphins offensive coaching staff, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson Jr., Trent Sherfield, um, Eric Azukama, the entire group of players to try to maximize that stat. And Tua, I think, is one of the premier type of guys when it comes to the accuracy to help maximize that run after the catch. Number five, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater had a 90.7 passer rating in 63 career starts. He won 33 of those 63 career starts in his career so far. And you'd be hard-pressed to find a more experienced, more accomplished backup quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. He started 14 games last year for the Broncos, throwing for over 3,000 yards and 18 touchdowns with just seven interceptions. But he was best last year when under heat, under duress, against the Blitz, five or more rushers, 82 for 111 for 988 yards, nine touchdowns, two picks. That is a 120.3 passer rating against five or more pass rushers. Teddy is a very knowledgeable, smart player who, like you heard coach mention, can come in here, help empower Tua and get the best out of the quarterback position, regardless of who's on the field. Teddy helps you accomplish that with his presence, with his veteran uh, established resume in that room to go along with Tua, to go along with Daryl Bevel and the entire offensive staff there. Number 19, Skylar Thompson is the winningest quarterback in Kansas State football history. The Dolphins' seventh round draft pick has a penchant for playing his best ball in the biggest moments, like you heard Chris Greer talk about right there. 40 career starts and 24 wins are the most in school history. That also includes a 21 point comeback over number three ranked Oklahoma back in 2020. Again, back to Chris Greer's comment, the tied for the largest comeback in Kansas State football history and also was the program's first road win over a top five team in the AP poll. He was off to a red hot, red hot start that season with 646 total yards rushing and passing. 
nine touchdowns and no turnovers. He was also the only player in Kansas State history with 6,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards. So that is your quarterback room preview. Let's go ahead and take our first break and come back on the other side and kick off the first part of our next series, our 2022 NFL preview, starting out west in the NFC with the Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, and Arizona Cardinals. That's next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Back here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast, picking it right back up with one of my favorite series of the season. It's my chance to get a look at the rest of the NFL as we really work on everything Miami Dolphins around here. But this time of year, taking a look at the entire league kind of balances out your opinions and your takes, I think, a little bit to have better knowledge of the entire league. And who doesn't want to hear about football all year round also? Let's go ahead and start here in the NFC West in order of their 2021 finish. And of course, we start with... Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Your head. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Defending Super Bowl champions, the Los Angeles Rams, who... You know, the great saying, F all them picks, go all in, and the, the aggressive style of Les Snead, Sean McVay, and the entire operation there is the big storyline with that team. But I think what gets lost in the sauce a little bit is their ability to hit on draft picks in the mid to late rounds where, you know, we talk about cornerstone style players, right? The blue chippers, your quality starters, guys that really help round out the entirety of your roster and help supplement that star quality on your roster and they also have adequate stars guys that you know you can pluck into there and give you above replacement level play and again supplements their star approach with something that you can kind of take more control over like rather than playing the draft odds which for the rams has actually been pretty good to them with those mid-round picks but you know over the course of a long period of time your draft odds 50 50 is a great batting average so that's you know 50 50 flip of a coin but they decided to push their premium resources towards the proven star talent and they've done it for years and years now, even Brandon Cooks, Marcus Peters going back a few years. And you have to pay a premium for that, right? But I think rounding out the rest of their, you know, quote unquote, 22 starters and then key role players, like your top 22 is what it used to be back in the 90s in terms of guys that played the most. But now it's more like 30, 40, 50 guys that you need to depend on to play on offense and defense. That, of course, trickles into your depth and special teams. And you can round that out with draft picks and UDFA classes then you're going to be cooking with gas and the Rams have done that. And that's where I think this front office and coaching staff doesn't quite get enough credit 
for the LA Rams. We talk about the blue chip players, right? Stafford, Cup, Donald, Ramsey. I mean, that's as good as any any team's top four in the NFL. But you don't hear as much about the Van Jeffersons, the Tyler Higbees, the Brian Allens, Rob Havensteins, Joseph Notebooms, Greg Gaines, Ernest Jones, Leonard Floyds, Taylor Raps, Nick Scott. Do I need to go on and on and on? And it's all orchestrated after the job that Les Snead does by one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. Sean McVay, one of the you know, gurus, the pioneers of the stretch boot action, condensing formations to help find and maximize space. Liam Cohen's the new offensive coordinator up there, or over there, I should say. He's up from Kentucky, or down from Kentucky, in that same role where he brought the Wildcats offense with Kentucky to a new level after coming from the Rams previously as the quarterback's coach there. So I think that's going to be a perfect fit, as it has been in the past with him. Then you go on defense to Raheem Morris, who came from that Tampa 2 kind of old-school thought, but has done what all great coaches do and adapts with both the times and his personality, or personnel, I should say. When you've got Jalen Ramsey, you want to play a lot more man, but it also helps you get creative with your zones and disguises because Ramsey can do all that too. So Raheem Morris has the full complement of his playbook to play with. And let's go ahead and take a look at what they did in the offseason. It's a typical Rams offseason. A couple of big moves, a lot of departures. Allen Robinson, Bobby Wagner both come to L.A. I mean, that's some big-time firepower there. Gone are Sony Michelle, Vaughn Miller, who was a splash last year. And really, I mean, without him, do they win a Super Bowl? Probably not. Austin Corbett's gone to the Panthers. Sebastian Joseph Day, a very underrated player. One of those mid-round draft picks we talked about has gone across town to the Chargers. Darius Williams went to the Jaguars, and they traded Robert Woods to the Tennessee Titans. Odell Beckham, still out there. We'll see what happens with him. But in the draft, these are the guys they've hit on now. Number th- In the third round, Logan Bruss, the offensive guard from Wisconsin. Number four, uh, number four, the fourth round, Jacoby Durant, the cornerback from South Carolina State. That's the same college as Darius Leonard in HBCU. Uh, number in the fifth round, Kyron Williams, a running back from Notre Dame, just a, a bruiser of a back and a guy that can kind of, you know, get the tough yards and short yardage. Then they had two picks in the sixth and three in the seventh round. So can those guys hit again? That's kind of the first storyline to look at. Just keep hitting on those mid round draft picks and you can continue to go out and get Bobby Wagner's and Allen Robinson's and, more storylines for this team. Repeating is so tough. It hasn't happened in almost 20 years since the 03-04 Patriots did it back-to-back years. The Broncos before that in the 90s. Very tough to do. Uh, replacing production. We talked about Miller, Corbett, Joseph Day, Woods, Beckham. Is Akers coming in for Sony Michelle, kind of coming off that injury type of replacement there? Is that going to be a positive move for that? Other storylines. Can they be even better? Because year two of Matt Stafford, wouldn't that just mean they're better and more acclimated? How do they replace Andrew Whitworth, one of the GOATs, offensive tackles of all time? Havenstein and Noteboom are there. Noteboom filled in last year when he was down, but can they do it for a whole season? Those are some of the things we're keeping an eye on here with the Los Angeles Rams. A team that took them to the NFC Championship game wire is the San Francisco 49ers, who have a consistent running game. Talk about who this team is. Consistently finds way to get big chunk gains in the running game off the edge or inside. They're creative in the way they do that. They're creative in the way they create chances for their players and the usage of said players. They are absolute yak dynamos, whether it's George Kittle at tight end, who kind of is the straw that stirs the drink that helps them be flexible across personnel packages. Then you've obviously got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, two of the very best yak players in the game, just as they were in college. And then on defense, just a relentless pressure group up front to get pressure with four, play coverage, and that has been portable from Robert Sala to Chris Kusarik 
and Nick Bosa sure helps a heck of a lot. And speaking of those defensive coaches, D'Amico Ryans is a shooting star as an assistant, man. Like, it still feels like he was just playing yesteryear, but he goes from a positional coach to defensive coordinator in short order and turns it around, or just turns around his first year and is really, really damn good at the job. He empowers his stars, like Fred Warner, to flourish. And man, the creativity he shows with him and both their rush package and coverage game, it's a masterclass job. Ryan's was one of the headiest players you'd ever encounter with the Houston Texans, so it should be no surprise he's a rock star DC as well. And you pair that with an offensive staff that just knows exactly what they are and how to tailor things to their players. We'll come back to this in the storylines. What they did in the offseason, cornerback Traverius Ward, probably their biggest acquisition to help out that secondary. They also got George Odom from the Colts in that secondary. Ray Ray McLeod from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Oren Burks at linebacker, and Kerry Hyder up front returns to their defensive line. So they went big on the defense this offseason. Gone are Lakin Tomlinson, their really good guard. He's gone to the Jets. Raheem Mostert here in Miami, obviously, so is Trent Sherfield. They lost three players to the Broncos. Kwan Williams, a really good cornerback. Ton Compton, an offensive lineman. And DJ Jones, a really good rotational defensive lineman. So too is Contavia Street off that defensive line. He's in New Orleans. In the draft, their first round draft pick was Miami's this year. Their second round pick, defensive end Drake Jackson from USC. Third round, they'd had two picks, running back Tyron Davis Price from LSU and wide receiver Danny Gray from SMU. The Niners storylines this year, very interesting team. I mean, this whole division really is. Who's the quarterback? Is it Trey? What do they do with Jimmy Garoppolo if it's not Jimmy Garoppolo? And will Trey, if he hits the ground running quickly, kind of maximize that Shanahan system in a way we saw Matt Stafford do with Sean McVay's system? That's certainly possible. They obviously valued that kid. He is super, super talented with the rushing ability, the kind of uh, elastic arm that can whip the ball all over the football field, take advantage of those vacated spaces, the boot action, all that fun stuff. A fascinating team to watch this year. How do they replace the coaching, the coaches they lost last year with Mike McDaniel, John Embry, Wes Welker, Anthony Lynn was a tremendous hire to help get them, uh, that coaching staff rendered back out. And then also who takes over as the lead dog behind Kyle Juszczyk? I mean, Mostert was kind of the guy going into the year last year. And then you had everybody else that was fighting for reps as well. Who among that everybody else steps up? Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, the rookie Davis Price. Interesting to see there. What does Debo Samuel's follow-up encore pre- uh, performance look like compared to last season? He was the catalyst that sparked that, that run for the Niners last year all the way to the NFC Championship game. And then finally, the health of this football team. It's been simple for them over the years since Shanahan got there. If they're healthy, they go to the Final Four. <laughs> if they're not, they don't make the playoffs. So that's been a big factor for them, a big you know, Coach McDaniel talked about this on the Fish Tank podcast about the variance and different variables that can that can drive results that's not necessarily related to your process. Good example there. The Niners have been so banged up some years, and it cost them in some of those years. This is the team the Dolphins play from this division. Week 13, a 405 kickoff in San Francisco. It's the second of a three-game homestand for the 49ers. Let's go ahead and take our last break here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast and come back with the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the division superlatives, and I'll give you a couple of recommendations as well to close out this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Picking it back up here on this first of our training camp preview and 2022 NFL season preview editions of the Drive Time Podcast. I'm back home in the Northwest. I recorded this one in the Southeast, though, so who knows how to do this intro the proper way. Let's go ahead and jump right back into the NFC West. We did the Rams. We did the Niners. Pick it back up here with the Cardinals, who finished third in the division last year. And the last two years for the Cardinals have kind of followed the same script in a lot of ways. Hot start, 
injury to their MVP-paced quarterback at that time. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Then they're never quite the same, never quite recapture that magic they found uh, early in the season. And they made the playoffs, so that was a great accomplishment coming from picking first in the draft just three years ago all the way to the playoffs this year. That's kind of a natural progression for a team, making that run, building up to that run. And under Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals have been up there with the Bills in terms of their offensive anomalies. Nobody runs anywhere near as much 10 personnel as those two offenses, though the Cardinals saw that number kind of decrease last year when Zach Ertz became such a focal point of their offense after a midseason trade. So now with DeAndre Hopkins down for the first six games with a suspension, we maybe see a shift in attack again, or is it more of the vertical passing game with Marquise Brown teaming back up with Kyler Murray like they did at Oklahoma when they made all that magic in the vertical passing game? This team is very interesting as well. Again, this division is so interesting. On the other side of the ball, they've drafted the last two years, rangy athletic linebackers with all the physical talent in the world and Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. In fact, the talent they have in that back seven is positively dripping with upside. They really have to look for an ultimate, or they have the look, I should say, of an ultimate matchup eraser in a league where everybody wants to get matchups because, you know, Buda Baker does different things than Jalen Thompson at safety. Simmons and Collins are very different at linebacker in terms of how they can match up. Then you got Byron Murphy, and then who's that number two cornerback? That could be a storyline to look at here heading into the uh, training camp. Taking a look at the offseason, Marquise Brown, the big addition at receiver, the first-round draft pick to get him back. Will Hernandez on the offensive line, and linebacker Nick Vigil were their big ads. Gone are Chandler Jones, their outside rush. Uh, running back Chase Edmonds here in Miami, obviously. Receiver Christian Kirk to the Jaguars. Cornerback Malcolm Butler retired. Jordan Hicks went to the Vikings, and Jordan Phillips went to the Buffalo Bills. The NFC West does not pick in the first round. Three teams, no first-round picks so far. In the second round, tight end Trey McBride from Colorado State. He was tight end one, first one drafted. Number three, or The third round, I keep saying number. Defensive end Cameron Thomas from San Diego State, and then another D-end in MyJ Sanders from Cincinnati. The storylines for this club. Can they get the second half of the season to match up with the first half of the season? Because they are a potential number one seed the last couple of years in the first part of the season. Injuries to Kyler kind of change course there, and they can't refine that magic. Can they overcome DeAndre Hopkins being down for the first six games of the season? That'll be a big one to look at. And the pieces seem to be there on defense. Can they get that production, you know, total defense and scoring, in the top half, top two-thirds of the league? If they can do that, we know what kind of firepower the offense has or has had with that quarterback at the controls. I mean, he's still there, so big-time production possibility on offense. And then how do... How do uh, Marquise Brown and Trey McBride add up to the equivalent of replacing Hopkins for six games for Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds, both gone? That's a lot of firepower lost. How do they replace that? To me, Rondell Moore seems like the natural guy to kind of step up in Christian Kirk's absence. Is their 12 personnel package here to say? Near top of the league last year in that usage, but now you have McBride and Ertz. Is it more two tight end sets? How does the growth of Simmons and Collins kind of round out that defense? Two very versatile players. And then I think among the most underrated duos in the league at safety, both Washington and Washington State products, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson 
Don't forget about those guys. Very good players. And then a tough division in year four, an important year for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. That's a very fascinating team to look at there. Finally, the fourth team here from last year, the fourth place in the NFC West was the Seattle Seahawks. Another team that I find very fascinating for different reasons. The who they are, who are they part is of their team capsule starts with a massive change, right? The biggest in the division. Russell Wilson's now gone from the NFC West. They were a powerhouse under his watch. Never missed a game. Played like an MVP half the damn time. Does Pete Carroll go back to the ground and pound after all the pleas to let Russ cook? They got two firsts and two seconds in that Russell Wilson trade. So this is a good year to assess what they have and how to spend that draft capital in the future. On defense, the system's always been the cover three with a big, even front to kind of match up and and create chances for their fast, aggressive linebackers, which was Wagner and Wright before. Now you're kind of putting a, a big jump on Jordan Brooks. Can he make the mark on this defense and take over that role? They have a lot of depth across that defense, but there should be some interesting camp battles to see who starts and who gets the most playing time deep across all those positions. They've long been a team that drafted to their own board and made no apologies about it. So you see lots of Seattle Seahawks type of players on this roster. They also traditionally have a lot of success in the middle to late rounds. And man, they took their swings this year. I think their offseason is really kind of shrouded by the Russell Wilson trade, but they had a good draft and made a bunch of savvy additions. Let's go ahead and see what they did in the offseason. Yuchenna Nwosu from the Chargers, really good addition there. Cornerback Artie Burns, defensive lineman Quentin Jefferson has been a very good rotational D lineman for a long time. Justin Coleman from the Dolphins comes back to the Seahawks. Quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, and defensive lineman Shelby Harris. Both those Broncos have been good players so far in their careers. And then gone, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner to the Rams, DJ Reed to the Jets, Gerald Everett to the Chargers, Ethan Posick to the Browns, Carlos Dunlap and Kerry Hyder are both gone as well. They drafted Charles Cross out of Mississippi State with a ninth pick in the draft. In the second round, they got Boya Mafe from Minnesota and running back Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. Love their third-round draft pick, offensive tackle Abe, Lu- Abe Lucas out of Washington State, and then Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati in the fourth round. I think all those guys could possibly be 500-plus snap takers this year. I'm intrigued by this team, which takes us into the storylines. Maybe the intrigue is not necessarily dreaming of a Lombardi trophy, but to see how the roster plays out ahead of a couple of drafts with tons of capital. I like how this league is kind of going in this way where some teams make the aggressive splashes and get that proven talent while other teams reassess and accumulate capital. Seattle's obviously getting the capital part done right now. Can they find that clarity on the offensive line with Lucas and Cross? If those guys can be pillars on the offensive line, that's a big boon for that Seahawks offense. Does Kenneth Walker solidify himself in a pretty nice stable of back with Rashad Penny and Chris Carson? Metcalf and Lockett is as good as it gets for a receiver one and two, but who beyond that steps up? Dwayne Eskridge was a draft pick last year. Bo Melton this year, probably your top candidates to do that. I think Shelby Harris is very underrated, like I talked about. So is Quandre Diggs, one of the most underrated safeties in football. And then can they replace DJ Reed on the outside and get back to that preferred style of defense that we saw flourish under the Legion of Boom? Storylines of the division. Can they get three back to the postseason? It's possible. Wagner versus the Seahawks twice a year. Definitely keep an eye on that. And then the, the matchups, like Rams versus Niners. They're strange rivalries. The Niners have beaten the Rams like seven times straight until that NFC Championship game. Even the Niners down years, they were finding ways to beat those good Rams teams. Then the Seahawks have like two wins over the Rams going back to 2017. And the Cardinals have one win in the last 11 games against the Rams. This division finds ways to kind of cannibalize itself. What happens this year? Are the Seahawks friskier than expected? I think they could be. I'm curious to see which teams get more aggressive like the Rams in this division to try to replicate what they did exactly. Again, this NFC West is fascinating. 
My divisional awards. Kyler Murray's my top quarterback in the division. My non-quarterback is Trent Williams, the Niners' left tackle. Defensively, Aaron Donald, duh. Coach, I'm going McVay and Shanahan. I can't differentiate the two. The breakout candidate for me is Rondell Moore. I think he's going to have a big year in the shoes of Christian Kirk. My top rookie is Charles Cross. That's chalk. He was the first pick in the draft for this division. And my division champion is the Los Angeles Rams. A couple recommendations here. Cali Coffee down here in Broward County is really damn good. Just discovered them. Go give them your business. They make a great cappuccino, a great latte. They make a great Americano. Big fan of their stuff there. Let's go ahead and call it a podcast right there. I had some other stuff to talk about. We'll come back and talk about Better Call Saul and the Barry season finale because we're getting short on time here. Let's go ahead and wrap it up and remind you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast and the Twitter space to show with myself, OJ and Seth. Those guys are the fish tank, obviously. Check out our YouTube channel for all the media availabilities, some drive time sit downs and dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy's coming home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.